Welcome back to our series of studies based on the book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. Today, we're in for some exciting times as we start to deal with the practical application of effective prayer. Our first application will be healing prayer as provided for in the Bible. As I've said many times, we depend on the Bible to give us the true word of God, and that applies to healing prayer as well. In the past sessions, we talked about the fundamentals of prayer, which are faith, love, and forgiveness. As we look at the concept of biblical healing, it is necessary to understand why these three fundamentals are important. Without faith, there can be no real belief that healing will take place. Without faith, a prayer for healing will have no effect. You may have heard the term faith healing. That term is often used in a very negative sense, but with scriptural healing, the healing is very much done in faith. Another fundamental of prayer is love. Without an understanding of God's love for us and the love that Jesus showed as he died for us, then the concept of biblical healing or spiritual healing will have no meaning. One of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals or the Lord who heals. In Hebrew, Rapha means to heal. So Jehovah Rapha means the Lord who heals. The name for God appears for the first time in the Bible in Exodus 15, 26. God told the Israelites, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And finally, we studied the foundation of forgiveness. Forgiveness is important because, as, as I've discussed earlier and will discuss later, if we have known and unconfessed sin in our lives, there will be a barrier to God's blessings flowing down on us. Spiritual healing is very much a blessing that God wants to pour out on us. Remember that there are three parts to forgiveness. First is our confession to God for forgiveness from Him for our sins that we've committed against Him. Second is our forgiveness offered to others for what they may have done to us. And third, there is our asking for forgiveness for what we have done to others. We sometimes ask for forgiveness from God, but we often have to go to others and ask their forgiveness personally. As I also covered in the prior sessions, there is a fourth part of that, and that is that we must forgive ourselves. Next in our review, we talked about the mechanics of prayer. We discussed that while there are rules, we found that prayer is not a formula to recite, but fellowship with and a relationship to God. And then in our lessons, we saw how praying within the heart of God is praying within the will of God. Prayer is not about our plan, but God's plan for us. And we see how finding and following the will of God will open us up to receiving the blessings of God and providing affirmative answers to our prayers. These foundational parts of prayer, the mechanics of prayer and knowing the heart of God, all set the stage for practical prayer in our lives. After all, we did see in the Bible that God has plans to prosper us. And remember that prospering us is not necessarily financial prosperity, but it may include having good and healthy relationships, peace, release from fears, relief from worry, and so many other blessings, including healing of our physical bodies. And that gets us into this lesson on practical prayer in our lives. For any number of reasons, there has been a lot of skepticism surrounding the concept of biblical healing. 
This is true not just outside the church, but inside the church as well. And when I talk about the church, I'm talking about the global church of those believers who've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. We talk about healing as if we believe in it, but so often we fail to biblically practice it. The Bible addresses healing in at least 175 places in Scripture, so it should not be a foreign concept to us. We see it in the Bible, but do we really believe it? As a prayer warrior, and that's what you're becoming through this series of studies, this is one area where we can connect the spiritual world with the physical world through prayer. We know from the Bible the many stories of how Jesus healed so many people. Jesus traveled throughout his area of the known world, healing the sick and casting out demons. However, Jesus was not the only person in the Bible who engaged in healing. There are many stories of others being involved in healing as well. We will look at a few of those examples from then and there for how they apply to us here and now in our lives and as evidence of how to engage in scriptural healing prayers. Most all of us have participated in congregational prayers or group prayers asking for the healing of someone in the church or someone we know. But many of us have not participated directly in a healing service. That is, a service that is directly focused on the healing of the physical needs of those participating with the anointing of oil and the laying on of hands. Because of our congregational prayers, and frankly, very often from our own individual prayers for healing, when we're ill, the theoretical concept of healing is not new to the vast majority of us. And there is a significant number of Christians who believe they have been personally healed at one time or another, either through a prayer service or by their personal petitions to God for healing. I know that is true for me. However, when we are called to engage in personal and direct healing prayer as described in the Bible, it is very easy to back off and fill our minds with doubt and unbelief. We're reluctant to step out in faith and assume personal responsibility for engaging in that direct healing prayer, either for ourselves or for others. Although this examination barely skims the surface of understanding healing prayers, I hope this will at least get you interested in experiencing the concept. In our earlier sessions, we talked about how important it is to read our Bible on a regular basis. Not only do we read the Bible, we study it to take lessons from it. And in our study of the Bible, keep in mind that it's not some kind of recipe book to thumb through and find something we like. We can't pick and choose the good stuff while discarding the rest. We're stuck with, or based upon your point of view, blessed with all of the Bible. And part of what we get is the good stuff that God's Word has very clear instructions about healing. God obviously intended for us to use and understand those scriptural instructions or they would not be in the Bible. We cannot avoid what's in the Bible because we haven't done it or we aren't familiar with it. It's the Bible. And one of the most direct instructions for us about healing prayer is in James 5, 14 through 15, where he said, Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. 
So in reading the Bible and in understanding what it says, how do we avoid doing it? With such clear instructions in the Bible, how do we not follow those instructions? I will say that until my own awakening to this scripture, I would look at this whole concept of healing and think those who believed in it and actually practiced it were a bit weird. There must have been something going on that defied logic. Well, there was indeed something going on that defied logic. They were acting in the Spirit based on the reading of the Scriptures. Now, I also act in the Spirit and regularly engage in biblical healing prayers and look for more opportunities to do so all the time. That doesn't mean I'm weird, or I hope not. I suppose we all have our own definitions of that, but as the Apostle Paul said, and I'm paraphrasing here, I'll be anything for the Word of God. And it certainly doesn't mean that I'm some kind of super saint either. I am most definitely not that at all. I say things and think things and do things all of the time. That removes me from that category. But I do regularly see positive, affirmative answers to healing prayers with people healed and God glorified. And that, my friends, is very exciting to see. Before I learned more about healing prayer, I watched a couple of Benny Hinn events on television. I'll tell you, I almost felt guilty watching him and didn't really want to tell anybody I'd done it. It was like somebody watching the Playboy channel. Uh, you just don't talk about that to your Christian friends or in church. Now, I don't know much about Benny Hinn and other so-called faith healers. I don't know whether he's the real deal or not. I don't know about a lot of things, but I do know what the Bible said. I do know what I've seen and experienced. I do know the people that I have seen healed. I do know the results of healing prayer. Both my experience and the study of the Bible tells me that healing is very, very real. For many of us who've not experienced healing firsthand, our expectations may have betrayed us. And frankly, part of that may be that we've not seen affirmative answers to healing prayers when they've been offered. I wish I could tell you that every time I prayed for someone to be healed, that it took place exactly as I wanted it to. It has not, and I know it will not work that way. As we discussed earlier, there's reasons for not obtaining affirmative answers to our prayers, even healing prayers. I want you to think about a few things, though, that may open your mind and open your heart to this concept of healing prayers. First, you know that God loves you. He knows you, knows your needs, and wants only the best and highest for you. To paraphrase from Jeremiah, God has plans to prosper you, and illness is not a part of God's prosperity plan. He wants to see you healthy. He wants to see you well. God does not want his children to be sick or afflicted or in pain with some ailment or injury. Clearly, God has the ability to heal. He made you. God can do what he wills to do. And it is God's will to heal. As I said earlier, one of his names is Jehovah Rapha, meaning the Lord who heals. God is not a mean and hurtful God. He's not a grumpy old man. He doesn't require some kind of human sacrifice through the infliction of pain, suffering, and deformation. When we acknowledge the fact that we are God's children and really bury that in our hearts and not just in our heads, we come to understand just how much God loves us and wants to bless us. And healing is part of that blessing. In Romans 8, verses 38 through 39, the Apostle Paul was very certain of God's love for us when he said, 
For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Before we go further, you may ask or wonder if there are instances in the Bible where God did not heal. Probably the most common instance that most people refer to about God not healing was when Paul asked God three times to relieve him of an affliction. Paul referred to this as a thorn in his flesh. Now this next is my opinion. I'm not giving you a biblical rule here, but I think I'm right. I think I've understood the scriptures enough to believe that what I'm going to tell you is true. I do hope to clear up something about this, and that is that this verse probably had nothing to do with a physical healing of Paul. That affliction Paul asked about was that he had been beaten multiple times, stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, snake-bitten, and chased out of towns. Paul's mission from God was to plant churches among the Gentiles, and the kind of persecution that Paul was enduring was going to be associated with planting churches in those places. Paul wanted that affliction and persecution to stop. He was tired of living a persecuted and tough life. For Paul, life wasn't all sugar and spice and things that are nice. But if Paul was going to continue in his ministry of planting churches, he would have to understand that the thorn in his flesh of persecution was part of that program. That thorn was not removed. This was not about physical healing, in my opinion, although I know it has been taught that way many times. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he, meaning God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's what Paul said in response when God said no. What we can take away from this is that clearly God will use our physical weaknesses and afflictions for His good and for His glory. But is it God's will to heal? Yes, most definitely it is God's will to heal. And I've not found any other place in Scripture where Jesus or the apostles failed to heal someone when they attempted to do so. Now there are some instances of demonic deliverances that are in there that were some low points in some of the apostles' lives, but whenever we're dealing with healing, there's no reference to it not occurring. Now let's get into our subject of healing prayer. And with that introduction, I hope you can see that spiritual healing is at least possible. It says so in the Bible, and even with that knowledge, though, we can still have questions about how it works, when it works, how fast it works, and what to do to see that it works. So let's find out. Aside from hearing healing prayers in a congregational setting, this personal approach to healing is new material for many of us. So we will, as we started out in the study, go to the basics. We must first understand why God is willing to heal us. One reason He heals us is obviously because He loves us. He created us and knows how we're put together. Probably of the most importance, though, God heals us so that He will be glorified in that action. Can you think of anything that will glorify God more than someone standing up in public or in church and giving testimony that he or she has been healed? 
Our healing is also part of the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross. Now, I understand that there's some controversy on the interpretation of the following verse that I'm going to read for you, but I believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus were essential not only to our salvation into heaven, but also to our blessings here on earth. Peter 2, verse 24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This is quoted in part from Isaiah 53. In the context of the suffering of Jesus, we have been blessed with healing, not only healing of our souls, but of our bodies. Jesus gave that great sacrifice not only for our salvation, but also for our healing. We should embrace that as a very precious gift. And it is past tense. You have been healed. We must now cause that healing to manifest itself in you and in me. There are many examples in the Bible of faith being the main ingredient for healing. As Jesus went from place to place healing the sick, there was no ceremony or ritual. Jesus simply healed them because of their faith and their obedience. And he healed all of them, not just some of them. There is no mention of Jesus ever failing to heal those who came to him. In the book of Acts, after Pentecost, when Peter touched handkerchiefs and those cloths were laid on sick people, the sick were healed. The piece of cloth didn't do it. Faith did. Other acts of healing by John, Peter, Paul, and by Philip were included in the book of Acts. In every case, the faith in God through the man or woman of God did the healing. There were no rituals or incantations, just faith coupled with obedience. That simple statement is so important to not only healing prayers, but to any prayer. We must have faith coupled with obedience. We're going to close our study for today on healing prayers before we get into the actual conduct of those kinds of prayers. As you know, if you've been following the order of these lessons, I often suggest some readings as a homework assignment. So before next time, I suggest you read chapter 7 of the book, Praying with Passion, Grounded in Obedience. As I've mentioned, you can go to my website, prayingwithpassion.com, which has a link to buy the book on Amazon in either digital or bound formats. I do truly thank you for following these studies, and I'll see you next time. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. May His face shine upon you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.